it's impossible to talk about modern life these days and our experiences, especially in 2022, without acknowledging the burnout, stress, grief, anxiety, imposter syndrome, and unhappiness that is being felt by so many. There's a collective desire, I think we all feel, to move away from the negative, from the anxiety, the burnout, the grief, the creative blocks, and create more of the really great things in life. Presence, creativity, joy, vision, bliss, and purpose. I know I'm not alone in wanting to find more simple, holistic ways of doing this, of creating the beautiful moments in life. That's why I'm so excited about today's guest, Aditya J. Kumar. Aditya is a certified breathwork practitioner and host of the My 7 Chakras podcast, a podcast with over 6 million downloads. He's worked with entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, Hollywood directors, and corporations, all with the goal to bring the numerous benefits of breathwork into the workplace. And today, we're bringing it to you. As ambitious goal getters, it's super easy to keep moving the goalpost. You know, you've run a half marathon, and on the next one, you want a personal best, and that never ends. If you're building a social media following, you hit 10,000 followers, and then you want 100,000. In your career or your business, you hit six figures, and then you want more. You hit a million dollars invested, and then you want two million. I mean, it's just never ending. We feel this too. I feel this in my life. You know, we started with one rental property, and then 10, and now over 50 or 60. I I forget how many we even have today. It just keeps growing. Now, there's nothing wrong with being ambitious and having goals. And in fact, I love it. I mean, this podcast is all about goals and goal getting. And also, it's so important to recognize that while there's a lot of beauty in this moment, that there is a lot of beauty in this moment. And if we're in a constant hustle state, if we're constantly trying to get more, that no matter what we have, no matter what we achieve, we'll never truly get what we ultimately all want, which for most of us, the things that we want are actually to feel a sense of inner purpose, to feel peace, happiness, connection, fulfillment, and joy. If we continue to chase and chase and chase, there's no end. And while there can be some purpose in the chase, chase on its own often comes up empty. In the last few years, we've all become intimately aware of how many things are outside of our control. Travel, gatherings, events, businesses, relationships, they've been so unpredictable over the last few years. And for this reason, as challenging as it is, I believe it's incredibly important that we can access and tap into deeper levels of healing, transformation, and satisfaction. What I found for myself in the last few years, and maybe you can relate to this, that when you can no longer be distracted by travel, events, exciting things, the business of life, it leaves space for what's really inside of you. And on the flip side of that, when you can no longer achieve your goals the way you imagined them, the business that you wanted, the events, the travel, whatever that is, then it's extra important to figure out how to still create that sense of fulfillment, joy, purpose, and bliss, even when it feels quote, impossible, and it feels outside of your control. My interview with Aditya was juicy. We had so many things to talk about. So we broke it into three episodes. This episode, you're going to hear about flow, why it's so important, and how you can add it to your life. You're going to learn about how you distinguish flow from presence, what the benefits are, including accessing intuition, feeling calm, and achieving a state of bliss. And yes, please, to that. (laughs) You're going to hear what happens when you're in flow, how you know you're in flow, how flow affects time, and how playfulness ties into all of this. You're also going to learn about the nervous system, its two states, and how to optimize your body's experience in both. 
Now, that's this episode. We've got two more coming up uh, where Aditya explores and shares wisdom on some of the best modalities out there to help you create flow and achieve balance in your nervous system to reduce anxiety and create more creativity, fulfillment, and bliss in your life. You're going to learn how to calm your mind, relax your nervous station system, nervous station, nervous system, and experience deep states of bliss. Aditya and I talk about everything from Qigong, flotation tanks, cold exposure, and more. And of course, we talked about breathwork, and you're even going to hear in the next episode where he leads us through a beautiful practice. So if you're new to breathwork or experience, I know you're going to really enjoy it. Friend, this is a really good, juicy episode. Uh, The next couple are because you're going to walk away with simple, practical, proven evidence-based techniques and methods to improve the quality of your life and notice a paradigm shift in how you look at and live your life. Also, it's impossible to talk about these simple strategies and ancient wisdom without getting deeply spiritual. So we're going there. We get really spiritual in this conversation. There's a chance if you're listening, depending on what stage of your journey you're at, that not everything is going to make sense right away. I was like that with Eckhart Tolle. Frankly, I'm still like that in some ways. <laughs> when I read his book 15 years ago, it meant nothing to me. It was words on a page and I couldn't understand what the hype was about it. I couldn't absorb or understand the text, let alone take away the life-changing experience that everyone else seemed to be taking away. Now, all these years later, I get a lot more of it. I can hear the message. I'm able to absorb and the words really speak to me. And I, I've realized that this is very common on my spiritual journey and maybe it's the same for you. Maybe there's even a spiritual term for it and I don't know it, but um, I believe this, that when you can only absorb the information that you're ready for, uh, maybe the frequency if you call it that, and it will, the information the awareness will come when you're ready for it. And not everyone is prepared for it, and that's okay, just like I wasn't all those years ago, and just like not everyone is always prepared for an ocean dip, I, I feel you, it's, it's real. Sometimes we have to hear a concept also several times to let it really land, and sometimes it takes years for it to be fully interpreted and understood at just the right moment. But I will say this, you don't have to understand, under, align with, or agree with everything that Aditya and I share. I mean, spoiler alert, that is true for everything in life, don't forget. Uh, and that's okay, I know in our world right now it seems like everything is either good or bad or pro or anti or left or right or true or false or aligned or not aligned. And there's just that's just not the truth. There's so much gray, so much nuance in there, and so much that you can soak up even if you, you may not fully understand or agree with or believe in everything that we say, I believe that there'll be nuggets in here for you to take away. It's A-okay. If not everything resonates, I just invite you to come to this episode and really all of your life ready to receive and ready to listen. And I really appreciate um, appreciate you listening and want you to know there's nothing wrong with you if you not everything resonates, uh, nothing wrong with us for, for sharing if something doesn't doesn't make sense and it doesn't mean you're not spiritual enough. It doesn't mean that what we're sharing doesn't have some truth or purpose in it. Uh, so if you're someone who struggles with trust, this might be a really good practice for you. All right, listen up, Golden Girl. In this episode, you're going to learn how to calm your mind, relax your nervous system, and experience deep states of bliss. Let's get it. Welcome to the Golden Girls Podcast, where we believe you can have it all. I'm your host, Lisa Michaud, and I'm spilling tangible tips, goal-getting strategies, and real-life stories to inspire you to tackle your biggest dreams. You're a woman who knows you're made for more. Get ready to leave the excuses and self-doubt behind by being vulnerable, sharing your truth, and having honest conversations so you can succeed on your terms. Together, we'll set goals you'll actually achieve by staying motivated, having fun, and building a community of women empowering women. 
it's time to tap into your best self, get confident, and truly have it all. Golden Girl, let's dive in. Hello there, Golden Girls, and welcome to this episode of Golden Girls Podcast. I am so honored to be here with Aditya J. Kumar. Aditya, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Lisa. Okay, I'm going to read out your bio, and it's pretty impressive, so just give me a minute here to get this out, because I, I think you have, you have so many different modalities, so much different wisdom to share, and I want people to really understand who you are. So Aditya is a certified breathwork instructor, and he helps individuals, groups, and organizations reduce their stress and avoid burnout through breathing, movement, and meditation. And I know a lot of our listeners here struggle with these things, stress, burnout, um, and uh, you know, your wisdom is going to be so helpful for them. Uh, Aditya's goal is to help bring the numerous benefits of breathwork into the workplace. Through evidence-based, science-backed techniques and methods, he helps employees feel more connected and present, resulting in increased productivity, enhanced creativity, and optimized well-being. Aditya has been invited to present workshops on breathwork at multiple organizations, including the City of Burnaby, the Project Management Institute, UBC, Uveda USA, and Coast Capital Credit Union. So, I mean, that, that says something right there, the fact that organizations of this caliber are, are tuning into breathwork. So, you know, we're all going to listen up real, real good here. Aditya is also the host of My 7 Chakras podcast, where he chats with yoga instructors, mystics, healers, visionaries, and shamans about ancient wisdom for the modern mind. To date, the show has garnered over 6 million downloads with listeners in over 150 countries, and his show is consistently ranked among the top 50 alternative health podcasts on iTunes USA and Canada. I mean, super, super impressive, and thank you for being here. Thank you, Lisa. That was one of the best intros I've listened to and my day has made been oh. made so far. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you and congratulations. I mean, you know, hitting those kinds of downloads says a lot. It's a lot of work to have a podcast, but also says a lot about the impact you're making in people's lives. And I can, I know that's really important to you. So thanks for thanks for the work you're doing with my seven chakras, and thanks for being here to share with us. Um, so I also want to share really quickly the story of how Aditya and I met uh, because it was super super unrelated to any of this. Um, because I think this story shares a lot about you and your humility and your desire to add value. So a couple of months ago, my husband Troy and I, we were going to host a real estate meetup. And our intention with the meetup was to bring people together who had different things to offer. And, and we really wanted to attract people who wanted to add value more than just take. And when we put out the announcement, of course, we had a lot of people interested in joining because these things just don't really exist. And uh, somebody, a couple of people messaged me and they said they didn't have any real estate, um, but could they still come? And you know, we, we obviously we kind of had to be a little bit discerning about how, how much space we could we had and how many people could come. And Aditya's message really stood out to me because Aditya, Aditya didn't just say, hey, I want to come and I want to learn and I want to soak up everyone's knowledge. But he, you actually said, hey, I want to come. I don't know a lot, but I want to get started. And how can I help and how can I add value? And your message right away stood out to us among you know the dozens that we got of a lot of people who just wanted to come, but didn't realize that the other side of that is like we just we just wanted people that could add value too in whatever way that was, and so you were willing to come in whatever capacity. You were like, I will come, I will, and you were great. You you actually helped us with the door because if you live in an apartment building, you know what I'm talking about with the buzzer and all of that. You know, you were so helpful in helping guide people in and knowing who is coming in, and I just think that says speaks so much to who you are as a human and the humility. Um, you know, there were 
it says something when you're willing to um, do roles that other people are not willing to do. Um, so I, yeah, I was really always very attracted to that as a as a human, as as someone who I think you you know you see what it is to to add value, and it's not about necessarily knowing everything, but it's about being willing to step up and do do the thing, and uh, not being too proud to ever do what what it takes. So yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, there's a long story to that. So. For your listeners might know that uh, real estate or where you belong, your home, is actually deeply connected to energetics. So the real estate or your home or the country that you belong to is connected to your root chakra. So if you don't have a home or if you don't have real estate or if you don't have a place where you can belong to, that can actually affect your sense of belonging. And that's why, you know, for example, refugees who are uprooted from their home, they or the same generation or even multiple generations have a sense of trauma. And so me on my personal journey, because I've been in Canada for about seven and a half years, recently got my citizenship as well. Uh, I was like, you know what? I do want to um, you know, build my home and maybe own a home as well as, and I've shared this with you as well. One of my visions is to have uh, a nice home, a large home, and then have uh, you know, invite friends and family over, have nice dinners, right? Have cold plunges and saunas and just uh, connect, have connection. And that's one of my values through my journaling that I learned is I want to have an experienced connection. And so I, in my journey, realized that I want to get into real estate. And then I noticed that out in the East in Toronto and in Ontario, they've got a large community that all get togethers and meetups. And I felt that that wasn't happening a lot over here. So I had that at the back of my mind. And so when you posted that, that, you know, that you're hosting, I was like, I'd love to be part of this experience. And I know that I don't have a lot to offer. And so I'm willing to be or willing to offer anything as long as I'm, uh, you know, part of this experience. So I'm, I'm glad that you responded to that invitation. And that was that was an amazing event, I must say. You know, it was really well prepared. And you, it was not just like a meetup where it was just networking and you let the people decide who connects with whom, but it was, it was, there was a lot of structure to it and I loved the question that you asked. So it was a real sort of mastermind, well put together event that I hope, you know, we have in the future as well. So thanks for hosting <laughs> and thanks for inviting me as well. It was really nice. Oh, our, our pleasure, our pleasure. And I'm sure we will do it again. Yes, yeah. uh, I have had some experience with masterminds and creating it. So yeah, I'm yeah, glad yeah. that came <laughs> out. We really just wanted to add value. Um, yeah, and I, I just, I, Thank you for thank you for sharing that and uh, just I think a great reminder for all of our listeners. You know, we sometimes think like, oh, I don't have anything to offer or who am I or to do this. And I think it, you know, just being willing to help out in any way that that's what gets you in the door. That's what gets you into conversation with people that have done things that you may me haven't done. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's a great lesson for everybody. So okay. We are going to talk about a lot of things. We're even going to probably break this into maybe two, maybe three podcasts. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, but let's start with flow, because that's that's what that's what this is about. So, can you describe, you know, in your words, what you see as flow, and you know what it means to you? Mm. Why is that the place to even start? Yeah. Uh, so, flow, as you know, some of your listeners might already know, this is a topic that a lot of research is being conducted each and every day. And w- one of the proponents of this concept of flow was Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Spent a lot of time trying to pronounce his name correctly. You nailed it. Can you spell it though? I feel like that's. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I need some more practice, but so he was the. We'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, so 
he was a proponent behind the concept of flow and i think the more we research and study into it the more we know and as you alluded to through our conversations before there's a lot of eastern concepts and practices that help us access the state of flow but what really is it and so from from my understanding and i term myself uh, you know not as a master of flow because there's so much to learn and so much to educate oneself about it but i'm i consider myself as an adventurer and some as an inquirer and someone who uh, you know goes about conducting experiments on himself so that i can find more about what works for me so that i can share it with people and they can con- con- you know conduct their own experiments so flow to me is when a person finds himself or herself in a state of deep absorption someone is immersed in a particular activity um and in that process experiences certain things um that let the person know that he or she is in a state of flow for example the person might be a chess player who is playing the game of chess person might be somebody who is hiking like for example yesterday i went to dog mountain and we we hiked for about an hour and a half and i was so immersed and so absorbed into the process of hiking and then when we went up we saw the sun sort of almost setting right and it was a beautiful experience where you had snow on the mountain but then there was like such a thick cloud cover it felt as if you could actually walk on the clouds the whole city was covered by you know clouds and so i was absorbed and i was immersed in that experience of enjoying nature and it could be any activity at all it could be like a, a rock climber it could be somebody who's doing breath work it could be like for example i love um, oil baths and i do the oil bath when i'm just thinking about the sensory experience the somatic experience of touching my own body so basically a flow is something when a person is really absorbed really immersed in that activity that the person is doing something that comes to my mind is um like music uh, creating yeah. music or really listening to music 100% what it, how do you distinguish i'm curious about like you are we in flow when we're watching netflix or reading cuz that mm. is that the same thing cuz that's a great question uh, i feel that to really understand what flow is it would be helpful to understand what flow isn't and so i'm just going to talk about um what happens inside the body when we are experiencing um a state of flow so uh, there's a part of the brain that's called the default mode network dmn and what it is basically is regions of the brain uh, the regions of the brain that help us form our sense of self right so uh, when we are on and about when we are shopping around the city when we are driving maybe or when we are doing some task where we are not completely focused that is when the default mode network is uh, really active right uh, so think about that you know when you're driving in the car maybe when you're shopping you're not really focused on buying something but you you're just walking across the aisles you're looking around at you know what's available in the store that's when the default mode uh, mode network is active and at this time the brain is constantly thinking about the future maybe like what you're going to make at night Uh, who you're going to meet at night whether or not you're with somebody at that point or maybe thinking about the past you know somebody that wronged you somebody that hurt you um somebody that did not behave according to your expectations right or somebody that rejected you 
that ha happens automatically because once again the default mode network is responsible for creating our sense of self and if we have a self then we are not the future and we're not the past so we're always trying to uh, think about the past and the future and also this default mode network is all, uh, always comparing ourselves from somebody else I'm not good enough I'm not smart enough I'm not rich enough I'm not affluent or resourceful enough and you know so this this constant narrative keeps going on and I'm sure people who are listening to this podcast are able to relate when uh, you know they're experiencing these things right and this is not very constructive especially if you're an entrepreneur if you're a high performer if you're a teacher mother who really wants to do well at their work or at their job or actually wants to actualize their life's purpose and so what happens is there are certain activities certain practices especially breath work that help us quieten or calm this default mode network and so when our sense of self is quietened what tends to happen is we feel much more connected with everything around the world we feel much more connected with the past and the future because it all collapses in the present moment we feel connected with people around us we don't see them as adversarial we see them as an aspect of ourselves and then we realize that you know what our, our universe is actually formed uh, through our thoughts through our actions and we have so much more of a sense of control and if you are able to spend more time with a quiet and default mode network we realize that uh, we are able to get into a state of flow much more effectively so that is one of the characteristics of flow is the sense of time dilation when we are not worried so much about the outcome of that drawing that we are doing we're not worried about whether or not we're going to catch the sunset we're just immersed in the work that we do we don't realize how time is escaping us because we become the work that we're doing we're not the doer we're the work and the person who's doing the work as well if that makes sense it does it does it so so resonates on many deep levels yeah. number one being that i feel like um as like a type a always i've been really ambitious and quote busy for the vast majority of my life and I think I think parenting is like the next level of it because there's not only yourself and all the things you are trying to manage but it's also another human or maybe two or five humans that you also yeah. have to figure out um and so I can like the DMN you said default mode network like I feel like my brain is in that zone a lot mm -hmm. and that's why I you know I really wanted to I'm very curious about breathwork and curious about more of this and I know I want the first guided breathwork session that I did let me be clear. I was the one being guided. Uh, it was just magical because to this day, I could not tell you if it was 20 minutes or if it was three hours. Like I, I have no concept of it. It was almost like yeah. time bent. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's just so, so powerful. And I, it made me, it was like addictive, but in like a peaceful way. It was like, I want more of this. I want... I want to have more of this in my life. And so, yeah, like I'm very curious to hear more about anything that can bring more flow to my life because I know that being in that mode of like constantly thinking about what's next or what did I just do or what about this or what about that, my body can no longer handle it. Like I've literally, I, I, I know it's making me sick in some ways. Yeah. I'm sure it's making other people too. 
I'm wondering how you distinguish between flow and presence and if there is a difference. Because, I mean, I, I think about like Eckhart Tolle and his teachings, a lot of um, this, which, you know, I, when I started reading it, I don't know, 15 years ago when it first came out, I couldn't, like I none of it, I understood none of it. And now, you know, being 10, 15 years older, I, I get more of it. But he speaks a lot about presence. And I really enjoy listening to some of his his audiobooks and, you know, walking through nature and just seeing a flower and not, not thinking about it, not analyzing it, but just being in it. And I'm wondering, you know, how do you see, yeah, how do you see flow versus presence? Are they the same? Are they different? How, what are your thoughts? Mm. I think uh, presence is one of the, skills that helps us trigger flow you know because if we are distracted that's going to make us make it very difficult to enter that state of flow in the first place and so any type of practice like mindfulness or meditation or breath work that helps us build the habit that to automatically trigger coming back to the present moment will help us you know trigger flow because flow also has certain other characteristics so the activity that you're doing has to have the light the right level of challenge if it's too easy then it's difficult to be in the flow because it's easy to be distracted it's so easy you might as well do something else mm, but if it's yes. too hard then your i think your sympathetic uh, you know nervous system will trigger because then you feel a level of anxiety or maybe uh, stress because the work the task is so hard so if you choose a task that has the right level of challenge where you feel a certain level of control at the same time you're able to let go of control because you trust the process that's uh, you know when you are able to experience flow but it all starts with your being able to be present and tune off from the rest of the world. I feel that's where, you know, like a practice of breath work or meditation can really help because you get better at better at being present, so to speak. So good. I love that distinction. Yeah. Presence is a skill that you need to in order to get into flow. Mm -hmm. And flow it also has other characteristics. It makes me think too, you know, like, an, oh, not that we would go into flow for this, but it's interesting to note that flow is about doing something that is challenging, something that may be in what we perceive in our Western world to be productive or to be creative or yeah. to be uh, an, some sort of an action or an, or an outcome. But it, I feel like it blends kind of like that, that Western part of us that wants to do, achieve, create and also the eastern kind of philosophy or eastern spirituality or knowledge of like these two things can actually go hand in hand yeah. when we're present for it and when we're open to the flow and we're not doing it just in the i mean just in default and we don't have to say the dmn um, like literally just we the things that we do in default the difference is doing them in a state of flow versus just doing them by default 100 percent. and also i think when it comes to eastern practices i think for some reason just the more passive you know, practices have become popular in the West. But actually, I think flow is very much resonant with the Eastern philosophy as well. Because one of the books of, especially India, which is the most popular, is the Bhagavad Gita and the Mahabharata. And one of the things that Krishna said to Arjuna, so Krishna is you know, one of the gods who has a conversation with Arjuna. And one thing he says is, do your work without thinking about the outcome which is kind of kind of you know if you think about it flow right mm -hmm. because what he says in that conversation very rightly can that can be applied to today, today as well when you're doing any activity or project there are so many things so many factors that are out of your conscious control 
And if you keep thinking about them, like what the government is going to do, what the group of people are going to do, uh, whether your customers are not going to buy or not, the preferences keep changing, technology keeps changing, then you're always going to be out of flow, metaphorically. Whereas if you're just thinking about your work, right, your intelligence, your resources, your hard work, and what you can put it, put into it, then I think you're going to have a better outcome. So... Yeah, yeah, I, I hear that. I'm going to have to get you to write down the names so I can put those uh, those books in the show notes as well for people who want to dive more. I can relate to that so much. I think in the last, well, okay, I think maybe it's even just a question for anybody listening. It's just to think about what are the, the as you're listening to Aditya talk, what are the things that get put you in flow? And I know for myself, something that puts me in flow, speaking, uh, speaking, coaching, facilitating, like that absolutely for me bends time. I can't always remember at the end of a live video or even at the end of a podcast, like what did I say? What did we say? Well, you know, um, and I I always go in with intention, but I'll also, also I, I guess the word is flow. Um, so I think it's an interesting thing for everyone listening to really think about like what are the things that, that get you into flow that, that are challenging, that do keep you engaged, but don't move you into too much stress and that allows allow you to create something or to bring your gifts in out into existence without attachment to the outcome and it's so interesting because I've really struggled I think in the last two years especially when everything seems to keep continue to keep changing um, and even like if we think about the last five years since I you know since I started my business like everything keeps changing it feels like um a lot of people are struggling with how do I respond to this? How do I respond to consumer needs and wants and desires and all these things? And it's just so interesting because I think I've I've noticed and I've still got some room to lean into this. So I'm I'm a student here for sure. But every time I just come back to me and go into like what do, what what feels right for me to speak about and create about and, and tap into that flow, it just releases so much of the pressure and it's just so much more joyful. And I believe I see that it actually creates better outcomes in what I'm creating and, and business and life and all those things so yeah, yeah I love it what what gets you into flow um, there are many triggers like I said I'm an experimenter so I'm always trying to find an experiment with things that can potentially bring me into flow and for me it's like breath work right breath work uh, just has a way of using things like uh, the breath itself, but also certain mantras. When you hum along a mantra or an affirmation, you uh, trigger the vagus nerve, which is the longest nerve in our body, extending from the brainstem. And so just uh, sort of toning that vagus nerves helps you uh, tap into parasympathetic. And that, for me, takes me into a state of flow because I'm not stressed out. And I can really connect with my creative, my intuition, and my digestion and relax. So, you know, just breath work and mantras can take me into flow. But the other thing that I really love, and I feel not enough people are practicing this, is Ayurvedic oil baths. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so you mentioned this to me. I haven't even looked it up yet. I know we're yeah. definitely going to dive into it because yeah. I'm very curious about this. But So stay tuned. We're going to talk about Ayurvedic oil baths, but this is one of the things that gets you into flow. Yeah, Ayurvedic oil baths as well as cold exposure, cold showers, right? Because once again, when I am getting into a cold shower, I cannot worry about the past. I cannot worry about what's going to happen in the, in the future. I'm just worried about, well, physiologically am i going to survive my body's like this is not normal my it's too cold right so i'm in the moment 
worried about my breath, worried about the sensation of the cold droplets on my skin. That's it. Not worried about anything else. Mm. Then I come out of the cold shower, and that's when the body uh, rewards me with endorphins and endocannabinoids and these feel-good sensations, and I'm feeling like this surge of energy and vibrance. And that also, in a way, is flow because I'm just in the present moment, not really worried about what's going to happen in the future or what happened in the past. So that also, I feel cold shower, and I think you're also a fan of it. Uh, I am, I am, I know. I'm like holding back my excitement on it, and I'm sure everybody listening is like, okay, okay, we get it, cold showers. But seriously, we come, we come here. I'm almost evangelical about cold, yeah. cold therapy for sure. Yeah. Um. So I've heard you say a couple of things in terms of like the benefits of flow, and I, I just wanted to see if there's anything else. But I've heard you say, you know, definitely more calm. Um, more in tune with yourself what else would you say are some of the benefits of being in flow well individually obviously there are benefits of flow which is being able to get your work done being able to get more quality work done because you're able to tap into both hemispheres of your brain not just the logical to do 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 you know you get work done but then what about your higher self your your collective consciousness that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and successful people draw from right you're drawing from your intuition and when you're in a flow you're able to you're able to do a lot of that Um, when you're in a flow I think you're a very positive person because you just work worried about your task, your future. You're not really bothered about, you know, into somebody else's life and triggering other people. But think about uh, what if, you know, your whole family is into flow. You'll have less triggers, less relationship issues, less fights overall, right? Mm -hmm. What if your whole community is into flow? You'll have less people getting angry. It's more about open communication, open dialogue and thinking about the whole what if your whole city is into flow? What if your whole country is into flow, right? So there are so many overlapping benefits of uh, us individually getting into a state of flow, but then helping other people also tap into what I like to call peak states of consciousness. Peak states, right? I think as human beings, we are meant to be more in these peak states because they remind us of where we are from. We are part of, we are not just individual beings who are here to live our own separate soul journeys we are part of the whole we are part of the you know forests and the trees and you know, the mountains and this we are part of this beautiful um, you know uh, world and i think the more we remind ourselves not just you know mentally but whole body remembrance uh, it's good for us and good for our health also because we don't have we're not putting our heart into so much of stress. We're not, you know, um, wearing and tearing down our body. Yeah, this might be a good time to talk about, you know, the body, the impacts on the body and the nervous system piece. Mm-hmm. Because I, this is something um, I am just starting to learn about. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> tell me all the things. But what I what I do know is I... I know this, which is going to sound kind of yeah. weird if you're not used to having these kinds of conversations, but I know I've recently realized in the last like even just a couple of weeks like how much my nervous system is very sensitive mm-hmm. and very stressed and how much power and how much everything changes when I can bring my nervous system back in. And I say that and like I literally have no idea what that even like I have no idea what that means. I, I have a couple yeah. of things that I've noticed that help me. Um, but I'm wondering if you could you like help fill out what I just said there? Oh, yeah. Like what you know what I you know I heard you talk about the Vegas system, the parasympathetic nervous system. Like can you kind of give us an overview on that and yeah. help bring some actual science and yeah. an explanation to what I just said. 
Yeah. And, I, I, you know, I myself am educating myself each and every day and experimenting and finding out, right? And part of what we do is logical, uh, you know, abstract, reading peer-reviewed reports and what the doctors are saying, what the researchers are saying. But part of it is also intuitive. If I feel it, if I sense it, then it is true. And I think we discount the intuitive part sometimes, which is why, uh, as we were talking earlier this podcast, I bought myself a Shungite uh, pyramid, which I keep in my pocket all the time. I also have a Shungite necklace, which has the flower of life, uh, sacred geometry on my chest at all the time. Because intuitively, I have sensed that the, the EMF level, not just at my home, but collectively has increased. And that is true as well. Five, with 5G coming on board, with people having overall more devices that you're wearing, Bluetooth headset and a phone and the laptop, maybe two laptops if you have a larger family. And nowadays you have electronics in the car as well. So we can never escape being with these uh, electronics. And I feel that that is putting an undue pressure on our nervous system at the cellular level as well, right? And uh, the way that we survive, the way that we create energy is in our mitochondria. And the mitochondria need two things in order to produce the energy that is needed for us to survive and thrive, which is glucose and oxygen, right? And so the oxygen part is the breath work. The glucose part, and I see you have so many books on the importance of having good nutrition, right? Uh, and then, but then if through EMF and all these different radiations, if our mitochondria itself is getting damaged, then our ability to produce energy is is also being uh, limited, right? Mm-hmm. I love how you bring yeah. intuition and law and logic and science, like all these things together. I think that's what's really vital for all of us like really yes i just want to i really appreciate that in you how you're able to ground those two things and um, i think we like we lose when we only talk about one side we lose the perspective we 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 lose out uh we miss out on so much beautiful like gain that we can have from it so i I so appreciate that yeah so tell me more about the nervous system Mm -hmm. so because I'm like, I'm kind of like you, like, I'm like, I know that this is a problem for me, yeah. but I don't even know what it means. Yeah, to, you know, to put it simply, um, we've got the sympathetic branch of the nervous system, and we've got the parasympathetic branch of the nervous system. Each one of them plays a role in our evolution and development overall, right? So the sympathetic nervous system is our fight or flight and awakened alert state, and the parasympathetic is the rest and digest the more relaxed state. Uh, so, for example, when our ancestors were maybe in the jungle or maybe in the uh, savanna or maybe the grasslands, when we were walking around, enjoying our day, suddenly we hear like a brush in the woods or we know something is wrong. Maybe there's a predator or a saber-toothed tiger, or maybe a lion that is there. That's when our instinctive, sympathetic, dominant branch would take over. And then we would either fight that predator, <laughs> maybe kill that orangutan, or maybe escape from that place. Hopefully, if we did survive and we were alive, then uh, automatically the sympathetic would calm down, go to sleep, and the parasympathetic would come on. Because guess what? Yes, we did. We do need to survive, but also we need to digest our food. We need to think intuitively, and we need, we need to relax. But these days, what's happening is we don't have that metaphorical 
bear in front of us unless you live in north vancouver <laughs> but but uh, we're constantly getting these notifications and reminders that our bills are due or maybe uh, you know emails from the work that you need to come to work or maybe deadlines in terms of projects or maybe we're working on a business on an entrepreneurial project and maybe we don't get uh, the permits from the government on time right and so our whole project we're carrying on the mortgage is getting delayed so we have so much stressors that are not necessarily physical and what that means is our body is constantly in a state of sympathetic dominance which which is sort of like putting your gas pedal on the accelerator all the time it's good you you drive fast but then your body is taking a toll in terms of your health and that uh, affects your longevity you, you know we start looking older much more earlier so what is the solution then well we need to go in there and take our foot off of that pedal using these practices so that we spend more time on parasympathetic because the body is a true healer as you might agree the body knows how to heal we don't need to intervene and put all these different pills and you know injections all the time there's a time and place for that but for the most part the body knows how to heal and if we give the right food and the right uh, oxygen and the right conditions that are conducive to healing the body will miraculously reciprocate and heal so that is that is where the uh, you know parasympathetic and the sympathetic branches you know come into play amazing thank you for that so good so good i mean i can yeah i can resonate with that so deeply and i think um modern life i mean the amount of notif- i don't even have notifications on my phone but Imagine if, you know, that all the text messages, all the emails, yeah. all of the the notifications on social media. I mean, that in itself is a lot. Oh, um, yeah. And yeah. if we then, you know, as a parent, like, oh my gosh, my kid is like constantly like, mom, I need this, mom, I need that. And I, I, I don't know what the science actually says. on. I mean, the, I, there must be signs on this because like biologically we're hardwired for our children, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're hardwired for, I remember actually when my daughter was young and she would scream, like I could physiologically feel it in oh. certain areas. Like my body would hurt um, when she would scream at a certain level of uh, when she was really, when she was very angry baby and in, in those moments. Um, and you know, now too, like when she's upset when she's tantruming like it feels like a I could feel a physiological response to that and that is what I yeah that's kind of what I picked up on is being like oh yeah my nervous system literally is like (laughs) it can't handle it um quick quick observation to that and I totally agree you know I think right now maybe like five years back more so sometimes what tends to happen is the whole responsibility and the stress of parenting is put on the mother whereas in the past when we used to live in, in villages and collectives, sometimes the grandfather would take over. Sometimes the grandmother would take over. Sometimes the father would take over. Sometimes the younger, older brother or older sister would take over. Where the mother would go and, you know, spend some time out in nature and, and recuperate and heal. But because we are living in nuclear families these days, maybe there's more of a stressor on the mom. And like you put it, it's like a whole body stress, right? And I think one good trend is nowadays there's a paternity leave concept where the father can also take leave for that period so that at least the stress will be distributed between two parents rather than, you know, just on the mom, right? Yeah. So that's, it's, a, it's a good trend. In that Absolutely. Sense. Yeah, I haven't, um, I, I can't tell you how much I've realized, you know, the there's a lot of freedom that comes from having a nuclear family, you know, yeah. like not living in multi-generational households and having all those people. Those, And I think that that, you know, that's, that's great too. But also 
it's really hard. Yeah. And I know myself and lots of other friends and moms, like we've, especially in the last couple of years, have really been talking more and more about mm-hmm. how great would it be to have a community, yeah. to have a, to actually have a village because yeah. I don't think, I don't think we're meant to do it all alone. I, I really don't believe that we're meant to do it alone. And as I'm someone who, uh, you may or may not know, my husband works away for at least two weeks a month. Um, and so I'm on my own a lot. And I, I don't, for this, I call myself a solo parent, but for the people that are single parents and having to do that all the time, especially when you don't have those support systems, like I I just, I don't know how you do it because I know I'm I really struggle to do it and I can really feel my nervous system literally like, unable to unable to handle all of it um and so you know it, i had a we had a guest teresa lilupavia uh i can't remember what episode number about about grief and we talked a little bit about um somatic work in terms of grief and one of the things that she shared and i've worked with her quite a few over the times over the last couple of years but like shaking you know like literally oh. sometimes i just have to shake it out and like let it out and sometimes I, I've just recently started screaming which is actually amazing and I highly recommend it yeah. Um, but yeah like I just I, I can relate to what you're saying and it's so interesting because I think also probably it maybe the uh, last generation and even you know few, several generations back probably um, like we didn't even hold the space for our children to have the tantrums we just told our kids to, you know, stop it or go in the bedroom if you're going to be like that or it's not okay to cry or tell them you're okay or stop, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't deserve or like I'm not going to, you don't get to, get to watch TV if you don't stop crying now or stop screaming or bribing and shaming and guilting and all those, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. um, I don't know how do I say, like, you know, all of our parents were doing the best but that's kind of what a lot of us were raised with was these kinds of parenting techniques yeah. where there wasn't even uh, a space for those kinds of experiences for our children mm-hmm. and I think we're uh, what I love is that a lot of the parents um, are moving more into conscious parenting and moving more into giving the space for our kids to to be themselves to to, to tantrum not to like you know be destructive or hurt people or anything like that but to move through their emotions but I think a piece that's been missing for me and I wonder if this resonates with anybody else listening and I think this is maybe a place um, for like future episodes, maybe future workshops. We'll see, Adija. But like, I think the other part that's missing then is you know we hold, we know how to hold that space for our children, or we're learning how to do that. But then we also need to make sure that we have the support and that we have the the tools, the resources, the time, and the consistency with our own practices to heal our nervous system, so that we can also hold space for them and ourselves. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think. Uh... You know, like that quote goes, right? The healer needs the healing the most. And, um, right, like the doctor, like where does the doctor go to, right? Yeah. The doctor yeah. or the healer needs to heal themselves perhaps more so that you can take on the uh, uh, the, the pressure, maybe the stressors of holding space for somebody else. Because you're, you're not just holding space, right? You're also taking on some of that energy. Yeah. When you're doing a breathwork session, if the person is angry or sad or resenting something, you can't help because it's all energy to take on some of that. And some people, especially like maybe like if you're doing a massage, right, you feel like a pain in your stomach. Or maybe you feel a, they, they feel a pain in their shoulders. Why? Because that pain that was there in that person is now coming on to them. Energy cannot be destroyed. It has to move from one body to the other. And it's true. So that's why, to your point, everyone needs to find a way or a technique 
or a community that can help them unload some of that stress. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I feel that as a parent. I feel that also as a coach. <laughs> do you do you notice that as a uh, in the work that you do that you also need to be extra conscious on your healing? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I don't I don't do a lot of like body work. Mine is more remote, but even with remote, because energy is quantum in nature, right? I just feel the need to, you know, just uh, disconnect. Like in an ideal scenario, and that was one of the journal journals that I did, or maybe uh, exploration of my vision, my ideal vision is to do my breathwork sessions because I do, I do breathwork sessions on Zoom every Sunday morning. So do that, right? And then just go to the mountains mm. like I did yesterday, snowshoeing, right? Because that's the ideal way to offer space and then heal yourself, right? Nature is the ultimate healer. It's a very passive form of healing because, you know, you're just walking up the mountain, but it, it, does, it does heal you. It, it helps you relax and it helps you experience and take in more of what nature has to offer like a sunset or a sunrise yeah yeah i agree with that so good um i wanted to just say one more thing too one of the things that you spoke to is like being us being able to heal ourselves and you know i i appreciate what you said there i appreciate you know we're not saying that it's never okay to get any kind of treatment or ne- like that you never need to see a doctor or have a team of you know naturopath dentist who are chiropractor or whatever that yeah. looks like that's not what we're saying at all but it was really interesting that you said that because one of the messages that came through um when i did my breathwork session uh, what i really felt it was so it was super cool was my own power and being able to heal myself and recognizing like when i could notice my body and when i knew it um, i could actually move breath and move energy and just like and um like feel myself feeling better and it's really cool because then i'm able to take that that knowledge that wisdom for myself and then i'm able to like give that information to my physiotherapist when we're yeah. or working on healing a few things with my uh with my feet and i'm able to take that to my chiropractor helps me with headaches and like i just yeah. it's just so interesting like how I think we've outsourced, and I know I talked about this on a couple episodes with Danielle Dame about our healing our relationship with food, but we've outsourced so much of our wisdom oh, to yeah. the experts. Yeah. And I think um, there's so much power in bringing this back. And I wonder if, I feel like for me, you know, having my nervous system, having these red flags is a great reminder for me to stop outsourcing that power and to bring it back to me and oh, to yeah. remind me that I can heal some, not everything, but I can heal a lot of things in myself yeah. and that I, I need to, you know, stop outsourcing it all and start insourcing some of that healing. Yeah, 100%. I think it's a bold statement for me to make as well is that it's time, you know, we've come to a time in our human consciousness where we need to take control of our own health. You know, we cannot really fully depend on the doctor or whatever, whoever we are working with. Why? Because yes, they are here to help. But at the end of the day, we are in full control of the journey. Right now, we have access to peer-reviewed reports. We have YouTube. And people dismiss YouTube, but the truth is YouTube is just a medium. There's good content there. There's not so good content there, right? It's it's, it's just like consciousness. But you have reports, you have, you have articles, you have really good quality stuff online, which means that when the patient steps into the doctor's clinic he or she knows what questions to ask and when the person might not be uh, providing instructions and advice that are in their interest and this for me a sign of a good doctor is someone that says that's amazing i'm so glad that you're empowered and you know what you're getting into a sign of a not so good doctor is someone who is not empathic and you see that a lot right i know exactly what i'm doing 
I know better than you who has a stethoscope around their neck right someone who dismisses questions and does not allow for the patients to explore and to at least voice their concerns and that's the sign of a not you, you come across that a lot right it's just not about the knowledge that the doctor has but it's all about the questions that they ask and the care that they provide mm-hmm. right i mean right now we're seeing this definitely like the health is <laughs> we see that we see that huge I I just think that's so true though with everything like like think about leaders you know yeah. think about the you know the managers that you have which ones listen to you and which ones don't right yeah. which one like who attaches to titles and degrees who attaches to status um, who attaches to their own ego of knowing everything versus who doesn't yeah. I mean even like I you know I bet you there's certain podcast hosts that would be like this yeah. is what you're gonna say this is what you're not gonna say I yeah. control that you know what I mean like yeah. I think that exists in in every realm exactly. um, I think we're seeing it on a really interesting scale and it's been it's been there for a long time in, in the healthcare industry for sure I think oh, there's yeah. some room for us to a lot of room for us to move back to co-creating with with patients and empowering Empowered, making empowered decisions, all those things for yeah. sure. But I think it's a, it's like all around us, right? Yeah. Even just like what I said about the parent, like the parent, the idea that the parent always knows best. Yeah. When that's not true, like the child has their own experiences, their own truth, and their own journey that they're here on, and we're not just there to yeah. <laughs> tell them everything. But like, it's, yeah. I think it's a, it's a paradigm shift, and I think, is, yeah. I think we're, we're making the turn as a collective it's you know it's painful it's slow it's (laughs) we want it to happen faster but i think it's happening oh yeah i think change is happening so quickly right i think it is really uh exponentially driven because of the uh because of technology because of the internet because of the speed at which we are receiving information yeah change is just exponential right one day we're talking about a new browser, then you have NFTs, and then you've got blockchain, you've got DeFi, and all these technologies are affecting everything that we do, including real estate. So it's crazy that I think as human beings, we're not designed to experience so quick changes. Our nervous system is not designed to go through so much of information. And that's why I think we're overloaded, is that at the end of the day, uh, we're still cavemen and cave women, or we're still paleo, so to speak, right? And so if we take some time and intention to see whether our food is designed for our, uh, you know, uh, what do you call that? Bio or our bodies or mm-hmm. whether... Like our, our my own microbiome or our own micro, biology. Yeah, yeah there's... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so good, so good. Um, okay, before we wrap up this kind of part of the, the episode, um, you I've seen heard you speak about bliss and about playfulness. How does that tie into, you know, what we're talking here around flow and nervous system? Where do, where do, yeah. where do bliss and playfulness fit in? Well, I think that's just something I try to practice. And sometimes I forget it also, but I try to practice it from time to time, right? If you see some of the more ascended masters, they're always in a state of bliss. They're always laughing, always smiling. They don't take life too seriously, right? And uh, there's actually a, a compound that you I think that your body produces when you smoke <laughs> weed that's called anandamide okay ananda means bliss oh yeah, okay yeah, yeah. okay and uh, in yoga uh, there is uh, there's a saying called satchitananda uh, sat means truth chit means consciousness ananda means bliss or joy and what it's trying to say is that the true nature of the universe is joy 
is bliss. And we are uh, images of nature. So the true nature of us is also bliss. Because what's the point of being sad and depressed and, and grieved? And, you know, because uh, we live short lives. And it is for the best of us to be in a blissed state all the time. I know that's not easy. But if we train our nervous system and our consciousness and our and our body to be in that bliss, bliss state, what we'll notice through the law, law of attraction, we'll start attracting more bliss into our own lives, right? And so... Uh, to answer your question, what's the other word you said? Bliss and what is playfulness? It? Playfulness, yeah. And so I think where playfulness comes in is if you see a child playing PS5, PS4, right? They always on the they love it so much. They love the game, right? And they play the game, and then and, and then the game gets over, or maybe their character dies, but then they're like, okay, let me restart. Let me try again. Let me play the game once again, right? And so, uh, because so many things in our lives are out of our control, if we add a little bit of playfulness and focus on the process rather than getting too attached to the results, maybe we'll have better results in the first place. We enjoy the process. We enjoy the challenges and the struggles and the difficulties that come with entrepreneurship and with parenthood and with life in general. And we don't take it so seriously. We're like, okay, sure. We rub the dust off our shoulders and we start again. I wrote an article the other day and I, and I, and I um, came up with the concept of the opportunity to fail or the gift of failing. Mm. A lot of, I think a lot of countries, you're not even allowed maybe as an immigrant to start a business. Like, I don't think I can just go into America and start a business, but at least Canada, you can. And so in doing so, I get the gift of failing, you know? It's like, sure, I, I failed. Maybe maybe the you know, the offer was not right. Maybe the, the market was not right. Maybe my approach was not right. Maybe this. So in failing, I think you, you get to know the data. You see what went wrong, what went right. And the good part is that you can wake another day and try again. And I think that's where playfulness comes into play. And that is one of the components of being in flow is playfulness. So that you look at life as a game and uh, rather than taking it so seriously, and if you have a failure, you know, you're depressed and sad and things, and you, that prevents you from starting once again. And the truth is, if you look at all the successful entrepreneurs or millionaires, right, they've tried so many times that they've lost count of how many times they've failed, but they forgot about that because the audience or you know the city or whoever you're working with, they don't care how many times you failed as long as you've succeeded in the end. That's it, right? So that's I think that's where the perspective comes into play of being in a blissful state all the time through these practices to these activities and also not being too serious about the thing that you're doing i mean you know you need to be professional you need to do a good job but just don't be so serious about the end outcome that's what i you know take from it I yeah <laughs> yeah no that's that's great i as you were speaking it just spoke right to me because that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate, you know, with this podcast and the coaching that I do and, and is that I just see so many people so hard on themselves right. about failure. And, you know, I call, call myself a goal setting expert, but within that, it's like, it's not about smart goals. It's like the hardest parts are 
first of all, even having the like even having the wisdom to tap into what you actually want. Yeah. Because so often we see like what everybody else wants as and or what other people think we should do. Yeah. Or even what we what we genuinely thought we should do three years ago, maybe different yeah. than what we need today. Right. Um. So like first part is like that tapping into you what you actually want and being in in integrity with that. And then having the courage to put yourself out there when you might might really fail, and then all these pieces along the way where you might fail and you might you get in your own way. Yeah. Um. Like I and I love you know I think it's there's so many different ways to access this you know. Um. There's you know some people respond really well to listening to inspiring stories or to reading mm. biographies or you know working with these mentors or or podcasts yeah. or whatever that is. Um. And that's why I, want, I really, really appreciate having these kinds of conversations around the spiritual pieces as well, because this is another, these are other access points or other ways that we can, that we can, other modalities that we can try and integrate into our lives to allow us to really listen to what we really want and allow us to have the confidence to have that playfulness when it comes to a goal or a dream or something we want to create or achieve in our lives mm-hmm. and allows us to continue even when it's hard and even when our brain might be saying, but what about this and what about that and what about this person? What is this person thinking? And you know, yeah. how do we handle 50,000 <laughs> comments or messages or people, yeah. you know, like uh, whatever that is, like the stresses that, that will inevitably and the challenges that will inevitably come yeah. from whatever from from a life and yeah. b especially when you're trying to do something exceptional or extraordinary. Yeah. Um, so I just I really I, I see this co- like such a correlation with everything that you're saying and um, yeah. you know there's both like kind of the more like uh, left brain logical tools you can kind of do, right. but then also like the right brain uh, intuitive piece and also like the Western you know Gantt charts and you can see my you know I've got like lists of like I got to fail a okay, hundred yeah. times and I yeah. I've got um, Gantt charts and opportunity radars in my office I've got these tools too but I also feel like it's so important to learn about these Eastern yeah. more traditionally Eastern tools that are also really powerful and really helpful to help us move through those blocks that come when it when we are trying to live a life that is joyful that is purposeful that is meaningful and successful whatever your definition is yeah 100 percent. and if i may say this um you know you know you see these uh you know uh, 30 under 30 or maybe 20 under 20 right of of you know young people or maybe as uh, you know young professionals who have for uh, done this and done that. I've seen success. Are you gonna Are you gonna dash my hopes for a forty under forty? No, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. <laughs> so you see all these things, right? And that's inspiring. But I think what is more inspiring is when somebody who is forty or fifty or even sixty or even seventy, right, go through all the struggles and all the societal expectations, and even then persist and succeed. I feel that's not spoken about enough. Right, because the thing is that the older you grow, <laughs> the more obstacles you come in your path, and most of the obstacles are in your mind itself. Right, about our own self-creative narratives or expectations of when we should be successful or not. And I think success could be money, or it could be like when you want to getting married, or when you know, like we have our own definitions, uh, largely through evolution, <laughs> and and a lot of these rules are not. Doesn't make don't make sense uh, in our modern world, but we have those rules, self-created narratives, right? And so they are sort of in a way hold us back from even trying in the first place. So I get very excited and very inspired when I see people who are, you know, 40 or maybe 50 or even 60, 70 as well, who see success, because that means 
that they've not given up. And that means that they've seen way more failures than somebody who is 30. Because the truth is, maybe you're 30, and I'm not trying to dismiss their success at all. But when you're 30, maybe maybe people you know, give you support, maybe you get some grants, you have some uncle or auntie who's helped you, you get some mentorship from somebody who's elderly, who's a mentor, who's seen so many arrows in their backs, and they know all the challenges, and maybe you see success, right? And obviously, their success is very justified. But sometimes, when you're 40 or 50, you don't get those grants. You don't get that support. There's no mentor who's here to help you. There are limited resources for people who are comparatively older because society expects you to be already successful by them. Do you oh, know what I mean? I I do. And like I, I have a post. I'm not going to pull it up right now because I want to just be in this moment. But like yeah. I have a I had this. Yeah, I so agree with this. I created a post. It must have been like a couple of years ago. Yeah. But it's a trend that I've absolutely seen. And it is the fact that like that people's excuses of yeah. of being or I call it I'm using the word excuses here slightly facetiously here yeah. to to get the point across here. It could also be mindset limiting beliefs, lack of like a lot of pieces here. But um I just I see this trend where so many people at twenty are like, well, I'll start the business like when after I have some money saved up or like, right. I'm too young. Yeah. But like too young then later becomes too old. It's like, well now now I have, you know, five, ten years of my career under my belt, or yeah. now I have some money and I don't want to risk and I don't want to lose it. That's true. And so I like literally have seen this with people. So many like so many people that I know and I'm I'm thirty five right now. Yeah. Um, so many friends that I know that have kept they you know, right after university they were like, Oh, I, I do want to travel, but I'm gonna work for a couple years. Um, and then now, you know, 35, 40, 45, and they still haven't traveled because now they have a mortgage and now they have kids and now mm. they've actually, it's really hard to like leave the workforce and come back to it. And right. so I think it is really important to be conscious of that. And like our, we can always find the excuse and our excuses of being <laughs> not knowing enough then become our excuses of like, we almost know too much or our excuses right. of not having enough experience then become, well, I have too much experience in this other avenue for me to go back on it. And we almost like our own I, I use the word of like we create we have some success in terms of like I've already got some success and we become attached to that like I don't yeah. want to lose this status that I have or, or earn less money that I have or or I have now have dependents and I have a mortgage or I have two mortgages or I have this this business that I that um, I I responsible for these people's food on their table and now I don't want to shift gears and do something different because I mm. don't want to back to them yeah. so yeah I agree I believe I think there's. Uh, we need to healthily appreciate both of those situations, which I think our society does a good job of like the under the 30 under 30 or 20 under 20. Yeah. Um, and I think we can do a better job of looking at the other side too, because I think the excuses are real, the limiting beliefs. So we have, we can have reasons to not pursue what we want to do at any age in, in life. Yeah. And it's not when you do it, it's that you did it, that yeah. we should be celebrating and honoring and respecting. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Okay, so we just talked about flow. We talked about presence, yeah. the nervous system, what it feels like, why why it matters, how it makes such a difference. You know, creating bliss, creating calm, being more present, accessing our intuition, being able to be more creative, more productive in the end, um, and being joyful, aligned. You know, crushing our goals, all the things. We're gonna hit pause right here, and we're gonna create an, uh, another episode all about the different modalities to actually do this. So Aditya, you're going to share some of your best practices. Yeah. I'm going to ask some really great, uh, naive, newbie questions on them. Um, we're going to talk about breath work, flotation tanks, Qigong, 
Vedanta, which is something I know nothing about, so I'm very excited about that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about cold and more. So um, thank you so much, Aditya, for you know sharing all of this with us, getting us started, getting us hooked on this. And thank you, everyone, for listening and get ready for the next episode to find out how to actually dive into all these modalities. Woohoo! <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If something spoke to you, send me a message by sharing this episode and tagging me on social media. If you know someone who would love to hear this episode, please share it with them too. Because I love surprises, make sure you subscribe to the Golden Girls podcast today. It's the only way to find out about bonus surprise episodes and make sure you don't miss a single beat on your golden journey. Thanks again for listening and I will talk to you in the next episode of the Golden Girls podcast.